To Japan 2.0. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm David. And uh, today we're coming at you with uh, our favorite comic book artist from Japan. We are. Yeah, for me, I mean, he's way above anyone else. I'm trying to think of like what other comics or manga I like, you know? Yeah. Personally, there's no one even close to this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's the tops. And his name is Taiyo Matsumoto. There and uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, a lot of his most popular books and um, a lot of the books that we've read. How we got into him, how we heard about him. He's he's kind of obscure, but like if I guess you're in the know, he's won a lot of awards and stuff. Yeah, too, right? I think that he's he's the kind of guy that um, if you're into manga, you come across him at some point, especially if you're from the states or from Europe. Yeah. Uh, he kind of has more of a presence I think overseas than maybe he does in Japan where he, maybe some of his works get lost that's an interesting point and I would definitely believe it's true I'm curious if, if that is indeed true um, like we have shirts of him right you're wearing one right now yeah and it's pretty rare anyone will ever mention it or friends Japanese friends I have that are manga readers readers you know ask oh do you know this and a lot of times they they don't they don't know um, yeah one time we were out and a older lady she's probably in her 60s you remember at the Izakaya? Yeah, maybe she knew. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe she's in her sixties, maybe fifties. Yeah, that that was the only time I probably wear the shirts once or twice a month, and no one's ever said anything to me about them. And that was the only time we ever got any reaction. Have you ever got any? Uh, no, not a lot of people talk about him, and uh, I wonder if it's because he's considered senin, uh. which is uh, like young men books. Okay. Um, shonen is for young boys, like yeah. uh, teenagers and middle school. And if you live in Japan, you you find out that everybody list, reads shojin books. I mean, mm. shonen books. Yeah. And uh, senin is more for like more mature reading. Mm. And uh, I wonder if it because it's published in senin uh, comic books, uh, the phone book manga, the the stuff that comes out once a month. Yeah. Maybe women don't read it as much, and maybe, like, older people don't read it as much. I'm not sure. Yeah. I see businessmen with the those, you know, phone book manga on the sure, train all sure. the time. I, um, per- personally, I wouldn't really consider myself a manga fan or a comic book reader. I love his stuff, and I've read some of the bigger, like Akita, I've tried Jojo before, um... Western comics, I'm incredibly weak on. I don't like superheroes or Marvel or X-Men or anything like that. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think I'm I'm not like a comic book guy. And it's kind of an anomaly that I'm so obsessed with this guy and love all his work, you know? And really, I'm always trying to look up, like, what else is like Ping Pong or what else is like Tuck Concrete or what else is like um, Go Go Monster or any, anything. Like, I'm always searching other comics like this and it's a really hard answer to find. There's really nothing yeah. like him. But I... I wish, like, I would love manga if there was more like this and I would read it all the time because I just devoured, like, all his books so fast, you know? Um, so, 
Yeah, I, I guess, I don't know if we're the typical fans of his, his work, you know, I don't know like what that demographic is. Um, being out here, again, we've only met this one lady. We do have friends, so similar-minded people like Akira and Akagai. Akagai definitely knows him and loves him. What about Akira? I feel like he knows him, but doesn't, not that crazy. Yeah, I don't think it's it's something that, yeah, he knows that well. Yeah, he yeah. does have some, um, some of his uh, comics in uh, the cafe that yeah. he owns has a few, I think he has Sunny in there. Yeah. He started collecting Sunny. Hmm. Um, he might have Ping Pong in there too. But uh, I guess there's a common critique of Japan that like nothing really great is being made. And a lot of the popular anime and manga is actually from the 90s, you know, Dragon Ball, Naruto, and yeah, One Piece. Like that's kind of when some of those shows were in their prime, right? Naruto and Dragon Ball, yeah. for sure. Um, they started in the '90s or took, the early 2000s, and it took years to go abroad. And a lot of the things that we thought were like this current day Japanese culture, growing up, were actually quite old. And there isn't a ton going on. I think before I mentioned um, Attack on Titan is like the big one right now. Yeah. But I would say that like um, the fact that Taiyo Matsumoto is still making manga, he's doing Sunny right now, makes me feel pretty good that there's something that's like really artsy kind of this underground vibe a cult following for sure that's like still being made and still current and still going on it's stuff like that it you know gets me excited to keep looking for more because i feel like there's more out there yeah he feels like an uh artist's manga artist mm. you know he writes stories that are a little more emotional and uh even if they are action-packed there's still some sort of um commentary or uh he's trying to get uh, a message in in his stories. I feel like there's a message in almost all of his stories, and I think it's a little cryptic. And maybe people could pull, you know, hmm. many different messages or or um, theories from his stories. But I think that there's definitely something in there that I, he's trying to say. I feel like every comic, every story's got a theme or a moral. I think what makes his interesting are they're not typical tropes or archetypes. You know that. The things he's focusing on, especially for manga or anime, are very unusual stories. Well, I think there's definitely moral ambiguity in a lot of his work. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where, like, a lot of his... Uh, the, the, why his characters are so appealing. And it's because they're not necessarily good guys or bad guys. Yeah. Or the person who you might think is the bad guy mm. has has a reason... I've always they're been, doing, been um, really attracted to that. I hate like clear-cut good guys and bad guys, you know, that have no flaws. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I guess that probably is why I like him. Did you want to like start with how you first came across him, or uh, you had some more guys? That yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we start with uh, with that? Yeah. Um, should I go first? Go first. Yeah. Well, um, when I first came across him, I didn't even know his name. Yeah. I, I used to go to this comic book shop in. Uh, Victorville, California. That's mm -hmm. where I'm originally from, and uh, there's a one comic book shop, Comics Plus, and they had a pretty good selection of, of manga and some indie comics. And one day I was in there, and they had this book called Number Five, mm. and I started looking through the artwork a little bit, and I was blown away. It looked like Star Wars meets Blade. There's hints of Blade Runner, and then uh, and a a fever dream, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, a I mean, there's, element. <laughs> there is a little fever dream in there, and so I picked up the, um, that volume, and it was a much bigger book than the comic book size, it was large pages, and 
I read through it and I was blown away. I didn't, I wasn't really paying attention at, as to who wrote it, and I, it really didn't concern me. Just the art was so good, and uh, um, the story was so bizarre, and I just wanted more of it. Mm. And I waited and waited for Volume 2 to come out, and Volume 2 only had like a very small print run, yeah. and it never, of course, in Victorville, California, you're not going to get it. You know, you probably had to live in L.A., you know, and go to a really nice comic book shop. Have you seen it since? I've never seen it since. I tried ordering it on Yahoo once, and I couldn't, I couldn't get it. Um, but that was my first exposure to him. And I, once again, like, I read it, and I didn't pick it up for a couple of years, and I didn't really realize who it was mm. until Tech on King Creek came out, black mm. and white. Yeah. And um, my friend Eric and I were really into Tech on King Creek. Mm. And as I was looking through the, the manga, I realized that I knew this author. I'd seen his work before. I was like, I swear it was mm. the guy that did number five. And um, that's how I found out about him. Yeah. Well, I found out about him a long time ago. I was pretty young at the time, maybe 17. Or Okay, so we're looking at like, 14 years ago or so? Yeah, maybe. My first time would have been about 11 or 12 years ago as well. And it was from, at the time, I was just going crazy on Japanese movies. Uh, just trying to find any Japanese movie I could online. I was in college. I had like a broadband connection for the first time in my life. I was just downloading all these, any Japanese movie. And I came across one called Ping Pong, and live action movie. And I watched it, and I loved it. It was really, really zany. But I just thought it told a really interesting story. I really related to the protagonist of it. Um, I guess there's two protagonists of it, which is why it's kind of an interesting movie, like we were talking about before. But uh, there's this guy named Smile, and he's called that basically because he never smiles. And at the time, I was feeling pretty antisocial, and I could just really relate to this guy. And I hadn't really ever seen a main character like him before that I could relate to so much. And um, I just remember thinking, like, just the whole... The whole story was so unconventional, and ping pong didn't even matter, you know. Um, it's just a really, really interesting story, and ping pong was in the background. And I got so obsessed with this movie that I then started to play ping pong. And I got really, really into ping pong, and I was playing every day, and I found a friend. Because, you, you know, ping pong, you can't play alone. <laughs> I found can someone with the wall. You can't, yeah. <laughs> I found someone who would play with me, and we were, like, entering tournaments and stuff, and we were really serious about it. And it's probably the most serious I've been about any sport in the last... 15 years or so um i had no idea that it was even based on a manga or anything i just love this movie um and it wasn't similar to you until tekken concrete came out uh for me it was the anime so the movie version i didn't again didn't know about the manga not being a big comic book reader um and man the visuals of that movie just blew me away um I didn't even think it was Japanese, just because it doesn't look like manga. The characters don't have big eyes. I would say they're kind of, like, grotesque -y. I mean, like, their teeth have gaps mm. in them, and there's, like, boogers hanging out of their noses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is just some of the wildest art I've ever seen before. At the time, I was in art school, too, and I was really, really inspired by it, and I used it to, like, motivate me to, like, do my own art. And then I finally, like, did some research and made this connection, and I was like, oh, my God, like, these two movies that I loved that or great by the same person and then I went out online and found I read Ping Pong the manga and Tekken Concrete the manga and to this day yeah, Ping Pong the manga especially is like one of the, my favorite stories ever told I really really love it a lot
and that's yeah that's the start i mean yeah yeah kind of get us up to the same I, it's kind of funny how we both got into uh taya matsumoto without knowing who he was yeah. but i think that goes into um the next thing we're going to talk about which is his art style yes i think his art style is very striking and it stays with you mm. um his his art style is not conventionally manga yeah, you know, he doesn't do the big eyes. He doesn't do like um QC girls. Yeah, uh beautiful smile. You know, he draws every tooth. Yeah. You know, That's... he does things that are are very uh anti-manga. I used to be really turned off by anime and manga because I thought it was really lazy. Um and there's actually a lot of reasons I found out for that, but I mean just no animation for you know, frames. I mean, 30 frames will go by and there's nothing happening and I was just like, why would anyone watch this? It's just it's cheaply made, you know? Um, and his work is the complete opposite. It's so much love and time put into it. And there's so many little details. And when I first found it, I was just praying. Like, there's got to be more like this, you know? More people I, I was like so this. excited because yeah. it was so great. And I just wanted more of it. And I think over time, I've gotten kind of bummed because he, he is so unique. But, yeah, like you said, so many details. Every tooth is drawn. The backgrounds are very vivid. The backgrounds are incredible. Uh, I was going through ping pong. Uh, my wife bought me the ping pong volumes in Japanese um, this Christmas. And, uh, yeah, I was just looking at the photos, the drawings, and they look like places around my neighborhood where I live yeah. in Osaka. He draws trams in lovingly de- detailed, you know, uh, there's lines and I, it's just it, he really is good at putting you in a place you know and you feel like you're there making you feel like you're there any good storyteller should do yeah. yeah and I think I think part of that has to do with the way he he draws and he uses lots of like it's not scribbly like it's not scratchy but it's not but clean is it yeah it's like he has his hand shakes a little I would say it's very organic it's almost like the peanuts if you look at like the Peanuts yeah, comics yeah. from the um, the nineties and yeah. stuff, and Charles Schultz was drawing uh, Charlie Brown, and it was a little wavy, mm. like all of his lines because his hand would shake. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, for sure. And um, and his use of black and white is very striking and very uh, evocative of um, the mood. I think his lines that he draws are thicker. I mean, I don't have it in mm-hmm. front of me right now, but I feel like they're thicker than your average manga. Um, and then I think that makes a really big contrast between the white and the black. It mm-hmm. seems really heavy-handed, the actual lines, compared to other other ones that I've read. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get to a good point that when we get into his biography, we'll kind of get to later, but it really feels like Osaka, where you live, like you were saying. Uh, Shinsekai, for me, is like the neighborhood where especially Tekon Concrete, I feel like it's got to be from there. I mean, I tried looking it up, and I can't find any connection online in English. But I see places that are totally recognizable, like the tower. I mean, it's pretty much in that movie. It's got to be there. And it's such it's such a vibrant neighborhood. I feel like more stories would be from there, you know? Well, uh, one thing that he's really good at is he catches a, like a feel of mm-hmm. a place, and it and he makes it fic- fictitious. So, for example, Tech on Concrete, it is about this black market that's going to be torn down. And uh, if you go to any black market in Japan, there's going to be similarities to this black market. Mm. And you could see how, like, when the people are moving out, how disappointed they are and how that history is gone. Mm. And, I mean, the way he depicts these places is a little fantastic, but you would understand, like, if somebody was going to tear it down, you would miss it. 
you yeah. know it, that history will die and I think he's really good at like conveying things that are fictitious but grounding them in some sort of realism hmm. I think um, too that like he's really obsessed with kids which we'll probably go into deeper and like old people Mm. I feel like he really some of his most standout characters are like nearing death, and maybe it's because of that detail. You know, he can draw all the little lines and wrinkles in their face. Maybe that's what attracts him to it. But I, kids are the most obvious one, right? Yeah, young young kids. And yeah. I, I'm always having to like remember the age, especially in Gogo Monster. Um, I was like, these kids are like elementary school kids because the conversations are so mature and sometimes like quite dark and twisted, and. I don't know. I kind of don't like it because I don't believe that young Japanese kids talk that way and are so demonic at times. This is particular to that story. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he likes young kids. He likes having that age. Well, I think like uh, I think when we get into his biography, that will make more sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I think I think there's a reason why he's a senin comic book artist Mm. for young adults and adults yeah and it's because like he and he said in interviews i've read that he said that he doesn't like drawing or he's not as good at drawing women and making them attractive interesting (laughs) so that's why he sticks with like boys but i i mean that was an something i'm paraphrasing of course yeah well most of the girls are old yeah they aren't really pretty good. No. Right. And yeah. I think even in Ping Pong, like the, the whole plot with Dragon and his cousin, mm-hmm. the girl that he kind of likes, yeah. that's only in the animation. I don't think that's in the the actual comic book. Yeah, it's not it's not in the foreground at least as much, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Anyway. So, should we get to the, bio- do you want to get into his biography? Yeah, let's get into the biography before we take a break of it. Um, I was shocked to find out that he's from Tokyo because, again, we were talking about how he seems so much like he's from Osaka. He's got this underground vibe, you know, kind of like an anti-whatever feel that, yeah, we were just kind of reading up on him and finding out he's from Tokyo, at least born there. We should say first that there's really not a lot of information on the guy in English. and Yeah, Wikipedia is your best bet, and Wikipedia only has a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, yeah, and that's basically what we're basing this off of. But um, he won a manga contest, and that was a really big break for him. It was with uh, Blue Spring, which I I haven't read before. Yeah, I haven't read Blue Spring either. And it was the money he used from that that he went to Paris. He went to Europe, but... France especially was really big for him. And you know a little bit about that, right? Yeah, from what I understand, he um, was working as a correspondent for a newspaper in Japan. Mm-hmm. And he was doing illustrations and stuff from France. And that's how he learned about Mobius and um, the French-style French comic books. Yeah. And you with n- books like Number 5, you could see the big inf- Mobius influence on him. Yeah, yeah, Mobius is a really fascinating guy in Japan, if it wasn't for my interest in Japanese art, I wouldn't have found out about Mobius because they really like him here. The guy who does Akira, he he's always paired with Mobius and they've worked together. And Yeah, that was in the 80s that he, he went to France. So he's been making art for a while. Yeah. A lot of his big works, like ping pong and stuff, came out in the late 90s. Um, Tekken Concrete, he wrote in 93 even. Yeah. So I didn't... You knew about Tekken Concrete before the anime? Before the uh, well, so Tech on Concrete was coming out, 
uh, the movie was coming out, and I caught wind of that, mm-hmm. and then found the manga through um, researching the movie. Okay. So yeah, that's how I, I came across it, and that's when I put two and two together. That mm-hmm. Taiwo Matsumoto is this guy I like. Yeah. So he did Takang Crete in '93, and then he did Ping Pong in '96. Um, Takang Crete's probably his most famous work, right? Yeah, I would say so because of the, the animated. Anime. Maybe Ping Pong might be his his most popular work. Because, not in the states, though, right? Yeah, not, but not people, but people imported the movies. You used to be able to rent the ping pong. Um, mm. I rented the ping pong DVD from my video store. Okay. So I think it had a pretty good mm. run in the states. Gotcha. At least the movie and the animated series. Yeah. The anime is amazing. I mean, it's great. I prefer the manga. Maybe it's because I read it first, but whenever his things have been converted to movies, they do a really, really good job. Um, studio four degrees Celsius. Ooh, they're awesome. I wish they did more stuff. Oh, they're great. They're, they're my style. favorite studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's interesting is that Tech on Concrete was in '93, but the movie didn't come out until 2006. Yeah, it took it a long 13 time. Thirteen yeah. years later, right? So I, I think that shows the kind of cult following, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a slow burn. With people. I think, like I said, I think artists are the ones that find out about him and they just love him, you know, mm. and. Um, I forget the name of the director that directed Tech on Concrete, but he's, he's a from the guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's from uh, he's from the states. Really? He worked on or, or from Canada, and he worked on um, Total Recall. He was a special effects guy in the United States. Um, it's like the only movie he's directed. Michael Arias. Yeah, that sounds about Arias. Michael something. Yeah, yeah, and he um, from what I understand, he he had been wanting to make Tech on Concrete for a long time, uh-huh. and it wasn't until. Uh, he met with Four Degrees Celsius mm. Studio Four Degrees uh, that he was able to make that happen. But I think it was a passion project for him. I remember being really confused when I got into it all because I was like, "Wait, this director is like a white guy? Like, is this Japanese or isn't it? And like, who's responsible for this? Like, is this Japanese name I see as a writer? Like, yeah, the whole thing. I think for both of us, like, it took us a long time to kind of connect dots or get into him um, the name like I said I think I only could memorize his name and say his name three years ago a couple so years ago him. yeah and I mean I've known him for 10 or 12 years um, I, so, yeah you really have to seek seek him out I think and uh, I think another thing that's notable about his biography though that you should probably touch on is that he was an, an orphan yeah as a child mm. and um, he really wanted to be uh a soccer player for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, those two things really uh, come to play in his books, especially with Ping Pong, Tech on Concrete, and Go Go Monsters. And uh, Sonny. Yeah, and Sonny. T- takes place yeah. in Orphanage. Sonny, they say, Sonny is his latest comic. It's and, still going, right? Uh, and it just finished. Mm. And uh, that book is probably his most autobiograph- autobiographical <laughs> most like his real life. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. most based like his real, his real life. life. Yeah, based on his life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, autobiographical. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, those are some of the the big points we know about the guy, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I there's think. not a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll try to link to um interview an interview with him in English that I found online. Uh, so if you want to check out the Japan 2.0 Facebook page when yeah. this uh. episode goes live uh i'll post that on there cool well i think we're gonna take a break 
and then we'll be back with our comics. Get ready to hear more about Taiyo Matsumoto. Right, we're back, and in this segment, we're gonna do "Know Your Chains," yes, one of your favorite Japan 2.0 segments. I like this. I think the segments are great because <laughs> I feel like I'm patting myself on the back, but I sometimes worry like about the show topics, right? Like, you know, manga is not necessarily a niche audience, but not everyone likes it, or video games, not everyone likes it. But I feel like you know these are a good reason to, to listen, no matter if you like the topic or not. You know, they're very like daily life Japan or yeah and they might give you a you know a place to visit when you come out here or if you live here they might be a lifesaver the place you're gonna mention is somewhere before I lived here I was dying to go to like I knew it was a dime a dozen in Japan and it wasn't like special but I was always like searching on eBay if I could buy things from this place and now that I'm here and surrounded by it I just take it for granted yeah but I think it's easy to do and um and the place we're we're talking about is called Uniqlo yeah and it's a clothing store uh and it's all throughout Japan you can find them anywhere mm-hmm. um I learned about them through Korea when I was living in Korea it was yeah. a great place to buy cheap cheaper clothes of um middle of the road quality <laughs> they're almost more prevalent in Korea would you agree? Uh, I, was, I mean they're very prevalent I always live closer to them in Korea like but we lived in the suburbs too I guess but if we lived, I mean, I, I live pretty close to a couple of Uniqlo's. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm 15 minutes away from the Tenoji Uniqlo, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. They're really popular in Korea, too. But they it, are. It is, a little, it is a little cheaper in Japan. Yeah, and they've just recently opened a couple of stores in um, San Francisco. I think one in San Francisco and one in New York. The New York one's been there for a while. Uh-huh. Um, that was, like, the first big one abroad. Yeah, but yeah, they they do have an online presence. You can no matter where you live in the states or in the UK, you can go online and shop at Uniqlo. They might not have all the like the coolest stuff, you know, but they'll have like all the basics. Yeah, one cool thing that Uniqlo does every year is they um, collaborate with some video game or manga or sometimes it's Mickey uh, Mouse. Mickey Mouse always <laughs> all year round. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. My wife complains that that it's all Mickey Mouse for women. I wouldn't like, complain about Uniqlo. I would complain about, like, Asia and Mickey Mouse. Like, they love Mickey Mouse. Yeah, there. and Everywhere you go, there's always the Mickey Mouse stuff. And Snoopy, like, Charlie Brown and Snoopy, too. Yeah. I have some friends that I consider, like, really cool guys. They have, like, a big soft spot for Mickey Mouse and Snoopy. And yeah. for me, it's such a turnoff. I like uh, Snoopy's better than Mickey I like Mouse. Snoopy yeah. better, yeah. yeah. But, um, but, yeah, but, for example, uh, sometimes Uniqlo does a collaboration with Tayo Matsumoto, yes. which is kind of... It's kind of odd because there's not a lot of Taiyo Matsumoto merchandise. Very rare. And um, he doesn't feel like the kind of guy that would do such, something so corporate. Uniqlo you know? is like, we got to say, it's, it's like the gap of Japan. That's yeah. the best equation. It's very simple, not a lot of branding, very basics that you're going to like. You need a sweater? You go there. You don't know where you need socks. You need, you need a plain t-shirt? It's, it's like the there. perfect um, crossing point between price and quality. Right. The qu- price is quite cheap. The quality is enough. You know, it's average. It'll last a year or two or three. 
I don't know. I feel like their quality has gotten worse over the years. I feel like uh, when I first started getting in the Uniqlo in Korea, it's the quality. Actually, a lot of the stuff used to say made in Japan on it, and now it's made in China. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm being, like, brainwashed. Maybe it's uh, subliminal or something, but, you know, made in China has a negative connotation. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like their quality has gone down a little bit mm-hmm. myself. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of good things about Uniqlo that people might be able to... Um, utilize when they're here oh yeah uh they sell a lot of things that are great for the weather so <laughs> when the seasons change in japan, japan it, has I mean, extreme seasons yeah, yeah it could be get very cold or it could be very hot Humid. and if you come to visit and you're not prepared or if you come to live here if you move here and you're spending a lot of money on you know getting an apartment or buying things that you need you might not have a lot of money you could go to uniqlo and get some affordable clothing and uh it's of good enough quality and it will keep you warm or it's it's stylish too yeah like yeah uh i would say it's it's cooler than the gap and it's not just because i like japan or anything like well i mean they do like collaborations with guys like tayo matsumoto or monster hunter or metal gear so i feel like they like update their styles more too a bit they might be a little bit more trendy in the sense that, like, whatever's in right now, they'll adjust their fits and stuff to that. Or I feel like, like, the place like The Gap just does The Gap, and that's what they're known for. It's, like, yeah. very relaxed, relaxed, you know. kind One of size fits all kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've gone up and down with Uniqlo. It, it was my favorite place my first year out in Korea, and I loved it. And I was going there, like, once a month, and always spending... I couldn't walk into Uniqlo without buying something. Um, now I've stopped trying to shop there because everyone wears Uniqlo and you walk down the street and you see everyone's wearing the same shirt as you. They did a Beastie Boys collaboration, right? And, um, it's, I mean, it's cool then to see everyone wearing Beastie Boys stuff, but I still don't see a lot of people wearing the Beastie Boys. I see the green one a lot. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one though. It is. Um, but I don't know why and I guess I feel like I'm just a bit bored of it. I've been shopping there for so long that I want to try something new. But I think the fact that I have to try so hard not to go there says something about, like, how good they are. Yeah. I, I always always do, like, a little quick pop-in. And, <laughs> I mean, you get some dirt. I just bought a $3 beanie there the other day, and their sales are insane, you know, when they're getting rid of stuff. It's uh, oh, $5 t-shirts, really, $4 t-shirts. Yeah, if you're so. really hard up on, like, there was a time in Korea where I went into Uniqlo because I didn't have a sweatshirt, and it got really cold. Yeah. And I went in and I went to the discount bin and they had like fluorescent pink and uh, sweatshirts. I was going to buy one of those, but I found a blue sweatshirt for, um, for I think 500, you know, $5, yeah, Yeah. five US dollars. Um, yeah, honestly, it's, if you're just out and it's raining or something, you just walk in the Uniqlo and buy something. Yeah, it's it's like buying a throwaway umbrella. Yeah, yeah. but I think they'll surprise you and sometimes you're like, you'll stick around with it and you'll be, be wearing it for a while. Um, I've tried working at Uniqlo before. Yeah, like I heard about that. I, I went to all these interviews and I got all excited to work there. I didn't end up getting it, but uh, I was doing a lot of Uniqlo research and stuff back then. Um, they're an interesting company. They're not your average Japanese company. They're trying to move their corporate language to like English. Everyone's going to speak English there. And I think they did. They have some English speakers at, at the shops. Usually, yeah. like one person is um, not not necessarily from the states or Canada, but somebody speaks. We'll eventually do a, a whole fashion episode, and um, I think Uniqlo is like one of the few Japanese companies that you, you actually just said recently, I think in the past year, that they're not doing so great. 
but before maybe this year they were like the one company like making a lot of money and rapidly expanding especially in china mm. um but they yeah they were kind of like on the up and up i think now a bit oversaturated perhaps but yeah maybe yeah i think the i mean everybody gets fatigued at some point and especially with fashion you can only wear something for you know nice for so long and yeah and uniqlo i think it's, it's some of their time has kind of been up but if if you need the basics that's a great place to go yeah so check out uniqlo you gotta go there it's not everyone in japan knows uniqlo so it's yeah. cool they're abroad now so if you're not living in japan you can check out their stuff too and actually get it and I, I'm partial to anything named Uni. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I think about that. Yeah, the the spelling is U N I Q L O. Yeah. So check out Uniqlo. Know your chain. Japan two Welcome back to Japan 2.0. We're now going to get into Taiyo Matsumoto's works and maybe talk about some of our favorites, things we like, we don't like, kind of theme, just give you a basic idea of the stories so you can decide which one you're going to read first. Yeah, and I think the first one that you should read is probably, and probably the easiest one to find is Ping Pong. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's the most accessible because not only was there the movie and the manga, but there's also an animated series that came out in the last, what, four two. years? It came out right when you came to my place. Oh, okay, so about two years ago, yeah. yeah. And, and um, the animated series can be found on iTunes and mm. anywhere you could buy I think um, it's like actually like um, legally free on Funimation. The oh, Funimation. Yeah, you can go on their site and watch it, stream it for free. Oh, like, Really awesome. good quality. Um, I have really... I mean, I talked about before the the movie and the book, but the anime I had watched alone, thinking that yeah, no one else I know is really into this stuff. But Matt and his wife came out to live in Japan, and they were staying with us for a while. And it's like one of my best like memories in Japan ever. Was just sitting around at my place, you know, after long talked about us all living out here, but finally happening, and then watching that together with our wives, especially you know, um, I think a lot of times. I was, my wife isn't super into some of the more uh, like Japanese culture things, uh, like sub subcultures, and it was just so cool. Like, I'll be really into this genuinely and sincerely, and like loving it. You know, we were really addicted. We <laughs> every day it was like we would make it a big to do. Yeah. We had dinner. And it was like the main event of our day. Beer day. and snacks and stuff, yeah. and um, that theme song comes on, and you just get chills. You know, it's such a good show. Mm. Um, it was so well done. Yeah, and I think um, it's so weird to think that, like four pe- people in their thirties watching this anime about ping pong, guys <laughs> and girls. Like, but it it really speaks to everyone. I think you could show it to like a ten year old kid, and they would like something. You could show it to someone older, and they're gonna get something out of it. You know. Well, I think the thing that makes ping pong great is it tells there are no villain like you said there's no heroes and villains in his works or mm-hmm. not there's usually not a hero and villain like a yeah. a fully bad bad guy you know yeah. there's usually gray areas and so it's all these ping pong rivalries and 
when you first meet a character, you're like, oh, I really hate this guy because mm-hmm. he's such a jerk to the main characters. Or have annoying but, qualities in the way they talk or something. You know? Yeah, and they're just really causing, you know, I mean, they're perfect antagonists, right? Mm. But then the series, as it continues to go on, it sheds a little more light into their lives. And so somebody who t- starts out as like a your egotistical, you know, jock kind of villain becomes more nuanced. For me, the greatest thing about it is the two protagonists, Pecco and Smile, and they're kind of like a yin and yang, or a white and black, again, I think a common theme he has is like these, you know, Shakespeare foil, right? Two characters yeah. that are complete opposites that make a whole. Um, but you're always wondering who, you know that it's going to come down to them being the best players, right? And they, they play all these, like, these more traditional bad guys or these big guys with muscles bigger than them and stuff. But you, like, you know in your heart, like, one of these two is going to be the one to win it. And you have no idea at all who it's going to be. A, a normal story, you're like, yeah, in the end, so-and-so is going to win, right? Yeah, yeah. You know it's going to happen. But you, this you, one... It really is, like, yeah, you don't know who's going to be the ping-pong champion between the two of them. Because they are both so good. But the greatest thing off the show is when you do find out who it is, it's such a small detail. It's almost forgettable who in the end is the actual, like, the champion of this tournament they go to. Because it doesn't really matter. It's more about, like, how they grew as a person. Or It's about the journey and the emotional growth. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a common theme in all of his, his uh, I think, all of his stories. But I think especially in his sports-themed stories, yeah. um, that really comes through because... He has such a... I think maybe it goes back to him wanting to be a professional soccer player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there's a lot of angst in there. Mm. And, you know, there's characters. Everybody is wondering if they're good enough or, uh, you know, they wonder why they should keep going. Mm. And there's a great character in the ping pong series who, who at the very beginning... He loses to one of the main characters and then we get to see his whole journey. Uh, he seems like he's such a minimal small character that you'll never see again, you know? But he becomes he's, people's favorite character. Oh, he's he's not my favorite but he's he's definitely like the funniest thing that happens. I like Butterfly Joe. Butterfly uh, Joe? I like uh, Akuma. Akuma? Really? Akuma's really? my favorite character, uh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're so... The main characters, of course, too. I love them as well. Yeah. But Akuma, for a side character, he's... He's my favorite. There's so many good characters. That's the kind of thing where um, if you ask me two weeks from now, I might answer differently. But and Which version is your favorite? What would you recommend people watch? Even though the movie was the first one I saw, and it had such a, if it wasn't for that, I probably might, I wouldn't know about the guy. Taika Matsumoto, that is. But I think I would choose that last, just because it's a little over the top and a little bit cheesy. I, don't think it's I think it's as, played more for laughs. I don't think it's as unique as the other two. Um, I'll choose the manga because, to be honest, it's I've never had a feeling like when I was reading that manga and I've never had such a page turner where I was like just flying through it and like couldn't stop reading it. Uh, obviously, with books, I get that a lot, but again, not being a huge manga or comic fan, yeah, that was a really, really unique feeling just being in that medium in that format. You so. could tell he really loved ping pong because the art is so good. Mm. And the way he draws, uh, my favorite detail, and this might seem silly, is the way he draws the ping pong balls when he they get hit, he draws them like a rectangle. Yeah. Like the yeah, force yeah, yeah. of the, Fun you that. know, yeah. yeah. Just the way he does action and stuff mm. is very American in like comic 
style. Like I feel like he's does really good. He could do like a Superman comic or or a Batman comic if somebody gave him the opportunity. Hmm. But I don't know if he'd want uh, to do something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, we get, we gotta move on, I think. But yeah, ping pong is my my favorite. Starting with that right away. So yeah, I would say yeah, that that's what'll pull you in. So go to that one first. What do you want to do next? Well, Tech on Concrete. Yeah, well, we're going in order then. So yeah. uh, Tech on Concrete and um, is also known as Black and White. Yep. The and the that's main characters of the um, of the story are Black, black and White. white. It's yeah. two children who live on the streets, and they're they're. Not just no, orphan, they're just street children, yeah. Street kids, yeah. Yeah, and, and they wear these little, like, uh, sometimes they wear like, animal ha- and hats and trinkets. Animal hats, and, and their style is really crazy, mm. and they're, uh, they live in, under this bridge in a car. Yep, which a car is a the common theme, theme yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it tells just these kids, they're quite violent. There's a lot of violence in Tech on Concrete, isn't there? Well, I think this story is kind of about the depression and... Like maybe, I my theory is that Tayo Matsumoto talks a lot about bi, bipolar disorder mm. because a lot of his characters have um, what appears to be to me the severe depression and mm. severe like anxieties and stuff. Yeah. Um, in some of his other books, it's a little more apparent. This book is a little bit of an action book, and mm. a, um, you know, there's a little bit of crime, uh, crime drama in there. Yep, um, that's true. The Yakuza are a very important part of this story, mm. and they uh, they are working. Some of the new Yakuza are coming in and kicking out the old members, and they they've aligned themselves with this corporation that's going to level the city mm. and put in an amusement park. And uh, the children, this is their city, you know, yeah. black and white. They don't want to leave, so um, it's all about their struggles as they're being kicked out of this yeah. with other this gangs world. and then the police and the Yakuza. And for me, I don't know if political is the right word, but I love the imagery of this movie. I love black and white and like their relationship, but some of the story, like in the middle of the story, goes on a little bit long for me. Like well, the I political, think political, like Yakuza and the police. And yeah, I think that stuff is done better in the, the comic book. Okay. And uh, in the movie, I think that it gets a little long mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Although um, Emily and I watched it recently, mm-hmm. and uh, we felt like it was a lot better paced than we remembered. Okay. So maybe just our our you know tastes are changing, and uh, but yeah, um, I think that I think it's either is worth watching. You know, I mean the movie is. Um, animated i've never seen anything that looks phenomenally as good when i like got my first hdtv it was the first thing i put on and i was just i mean i just wanted to like go around and show people how good it looked because the colors are so bright there's so much love put into it you know oh and the backgrounds are you could pause any scene yeah and the backgrounds are an art piece into themselves like mm-hmm. if i ever come across any of those uh cells cells yeah, and yeah. somebody is Offering to sell one, I'd buy one for a lot. I'd spend a Sells lot of money. Sale. Yes. Um, I think that because of that, it's very rewatchable. I've watched it maybe five or six times, and because there's so much to look at, every time you're gonna see new things going on in the background, and a lot to appreciate. You should definitely watch it. Um, we highly recommend it. Yep. Uh, it's easy to find the movie, so if you go on iTunes or any place where they sell, um, 
the digital videos and stuff, you could usually find it. Yeah, for me, I'd, I'd vote uh, anime is the way to go. I mean, the manga is great too, but if I had to choose one, I'd choose the anime due to the visuals. Yeah, the, it's an incredible animation, and uh, you can't go wrong. Hmm. So we've got a couple more works we kind of want to just get out there to talk about. Yeah, some of the lesser-known um, series that Tayo Matsumoto has done. Um, I mean, I'll tell you a few of my, my favorites, and one is, uh, it's a samurai one. It's called Tekemitsu Samurai, and it's about this, uh, and it's a collaboration with him and a, an actual, like a, some author, some novelist or something. Really? Yeah. So this is one Tayo Matsumoto hasn't hasn't actually um, written, mm. but he did all the drawings for it. And uh-huh. um, the reason why I re- would recommend this one for people is that he really changes his art style yeah. in this, and it's 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 a period piece, so it's very much a spaghetti western kind of samurai yeah. uh, like. Yojimbo or a Kira Kurosawa movie. Mm. Because the style's so different, I want to know, like, are the similar themes like we've been talking about there as well? I mean, the writer's different too. Yeah, and there are definitely similar themes. So I think that's why this collaboration happened. Mm. Um, in, it, in it, it's about the samurai that comes into a neighborhood and he really loves sweets and he's eating, like, the sweets all the time and, mm. uh, and he only has a wooden bamboo uh, sword. And he ends up killing people with this wooden bamboo's sword yeah. because they're testing his prowess as a samurai. Yeah, do they make fun of him for not having a real sword? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, like the, the samurai come into town and they start causing, you know, all sorts of trouble and, argue, you know, make arguments and stuff. Mm. And then um, you start to find out that he's there's something about him that is mysterious and that's why he hasn't talked about his background. Mm. And uh, assassins are coming to kill him. And one of the assassins is really scary. It's this character that Tayo Matsumoto draws and always... It's, it's, this style is a little more watercolor. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the whole series. The whole series. Yeah. And so he takes like the, his inks and he adds water to it to make it like... Uh, muddy. Muddy and dark and fi- make it, things look faded. And uh, the main antagonist is this assassin who's looking for the samurai and uh he has a pet rat but he is a frightening frightening character really just the way that taya matsumoto draws him and people are in the story say he's like a demon and stuff and he's just really it's a really compelling story and uh, i don't believe most of it has been translated to um english i don't think viz has has picked this one up yet Mm or um any of the publishers in the states or in canada but um if you could get your hands on it if there is a translated version you should definitely find it the art is incredible cool yeah i know that's one you've always really liked that i think because the style is different i haven't been that compelled to read it but hearing you talk about it now i'll check it out yeah it's worth picking up just for the art if you could find japanese copies you should do that um Go nope. Go Monsters, one that Go Go Monsters. the last one that I've read, and I've read that one the most recently, and it's um, the art, the actual book I was telling you before is amazing. I mean, it comes in like this cardboard cutout, it has like all art on the inside, very brightly colored. The edges of the book are The outside, are paint, the cover is painted. colored, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it, I mean, it comes in a cardboard sleeve, it, the inside of that is colored, I mean, it, they put a lot of detail to it. Um... A lot of color photos in this one, not just black and white. 
Um, so that to me was really compelling to like keep going. I just felt like it was a special book, you know, which I think kind of shows some of the positives to like going back and reading actual old school books, not digital copies, you know. Mm -hmm. Besides that, I would say it's just all right. It's a really slow moving story. Yeah, it's definitely got a lot of the same themes as uh, black and white and um, ping pong. But I feel like it it doesn't have some of the charm that those two have. Basically, it's about a school on the top level of the school. There's some kind of mystery going on, and people say they see spirits up there. And um, the main character is a like a I guess it would be elementary school child, yeah. and um, he he sees these visions and like the animals talk to him. Mm-hmm. And they're not yeah they're not exactly animals, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's it, something. It, it's a little magical realism yeah. because you don't know whether or not things in the story are actually communicating or or happening or not, or if it's just all in the mind of this child. A famous character, not that famous, but for Taiyo Matsumoto is that cardboard box head guy. Yeah, IQ. IQ is The mathematical genius, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's cool. I I like his character. Yeah, he's a great character. He's a a kid in the class that wears a cardboard box over his head, Mm. always. Mm. And some of the kids tease him, but he ends up be, befriending the main character. Yeah, there's a great wise sage who's like the school groundskeeper, the gardener. So it's got some like cool archetypes and stuff going on. But I think uh, I it's think just too slow moving. Yeah, me, I guess I think it also speaks to like um, maybe Taiyo Masamoto's, uh, I guess, obsession with depression. Yeah, like I feel like this one is. Th- it really seems like it's a story about bipolar disorder, mm. and. Um, or schizophrenia, at least. And the child is living, he's living his life, but uh, he's just so depressed for a child, you know. that. And I, I, I was fascinated by something you said when we were talking off mic, and um, you were saying that something about the voices of the children, their speech, seems too mature. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. No, I think we recorded that. Oh, okay. But, um... But yeah, the characters yeah. just and seem... That's the book in particular that I was referring to. when they, I think they're like fourth grade elementary. And I, they felt like they were like high school kids to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know how to take that except that I couldn't believe it. Especially because we worked with like... I worked with kids that age in Japan and I don't think they talked that way. I wonder if children though that do have like severe um, depression might... <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe some of the stuff would come up mm. I mean I, I when you see photos and stuff of Taiyo Matsumoto he doesn't look very he seems like yeah. a really cheerful he guy yeah he's a funny looking guy he's not what I would picture I like his bucket hat yeah he always wears a bucket <laughs> hat right um, and then uh, yeah well, that's Go Go Monsters I, I think you should I recommend it just I mean, any of his stuff is interesting yeah. for the art I wouldn't know? start with that one and like judge the rest of you know no. I feel like you might not read yeah. it a whole lot more but I think that once you get into him read this yeah one. if you liked his other works you'd probably like this yeah and is there one more you want to do uh, yeah the last one I want to talk about is number five which All is right. the one that so uh, you mentioned this earlier and I didn't say much but I, I don't even know this one to be this honest. one's hard to find and even in Japan living in Japan I've tried to find the Japanese translations of it mm. um, you, you probably could find it more easily by dubious means yeah. on the internet um, what does the cover look like the cover looks like it shows a man in like almost a Star Wars apparel. You know, he looks like a bounty hunter or something, and he has a a big sniper rifle. He's a sniper, and he's taking around a woman named Machoishka, like the the Russian dolls. Yeah, yeah. And um, and the whole premise of it is this man has kidnapped this woman, 
and he used to be on this council of peacekeepers that are superheroes, a council of superheroes that, um, but he defected and he kidnapped this woman and he takes her on the run and he's being hunted by the rest of the council members. And, uh, this one sounds so different from anything else. Yeah, it is the most, like, I think out there, Mobius, Mobius and sci-fi inspired, um, all of the different um, council members have different abilities. So mm-hmm. some of them alter reality. Others have, um, you know, are excellent sli- snipers or sharpshooters. And one guy is like a basically like a common um, rider, like a superhero, yeah. sentai, uh, super sentai superhero, like a Japanese superhero. Mm. And um, it, some of the best action is in this. And you could really see him doing like like I said, a Batman or a Superman comic book, like an American style. I think his most... This comic book shows his, his French and American influences. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I really love this book. And it's one of his least talked about books. Yeah, um, yeah even I. I mean, I've never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. At first, it seems very superficial, and you don't fully know what's going on. You know, it seems like it's just an action, just mm. showing action. But the further you get into the series, you realize, like, the council members, that's the ethics of this council come up, and then you wonder whether or not they have, we should have the right to, like, choose to um, police people or, you know, govern people the way we govern them. And I think it's a, probably his most um, political? political story. Mm, um, one of the main cons- council members council members abilities is to uh, manipulate people's emotions and he controls mass masses of people with this ability Mm. and um and he becomes a really fascinating character he's probably more fascinating than the number five the assassin who the sniper that's on the run so yeah i highly recommend it um it's got amazing art some of his best art and it's probably one of his we said that about everyone but it's it probably, yeah, I mean, he's just an incredible artist. Yeah. But it's got his most bizarre art hmm. as well. And if you like his fever fever dream kind of Aspects, styles, yeah. yeah, then you'd really love this book. Hmm. But, yeah, once again, it's a very hard book to come across, and I don't even know where my old copy is. But well, Good luck, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck. I'm sure you could find it online, or you could find some scans yeah, of it yeah. online. So, um you know, if it's not published in the, the U.S. or in English, then mm. maybe it's, you know, it's fine to download. <laughs> yes. Well, that's been one hour of Tai Matsumoto. I think yeah. we did a pretty good job describing you know, how we got into him and a bit about his biography and then breaking down his biggest work that he's done, you know? Yeah, I hope a, a few people will listen to this. and. Yeah, um, you're in for a treat, I think. Yeah, I mean... Like try I said, to try him out, you know, watch, at least watch his movies, the movies that have been made of his series. If you don't like manga like me, give it a shot. It's what made me kind of have some kind of hope that there is good manga out there. And that I still, I think 1% or 2% of manga is, is pretty cool. It's just the rest of it that gives it a bad name for some people like me. Yeah, I think with anything in, in art, um, you know, it's usually only like, one or two percent that's yeah, yeah, actually yeah. really good and the rest of it is just you know it could be average or not great you yeah. know well we have a very appropriate song on the show don't we 
Yeah, we're, we'll end with this song, but maybe we should do our house cleaning first. Yeah, I'm just so excited about this song. <laughs> yeah, this is a great song. Yes. Uh, yeah, so you can find us almost everywhere on the internet. And at social media. Yeah, yeah Japan 2.0. Yep. Um, that's uh, Japan 2, point spelled out, and then zero. Yep, you got it. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes. If you find us on iTunes, please subscribe and... Uh, leave a comment. Yeah, We'd read, love to hear read from our, you. our good reviews. Uh, I just showed you one today. That was a good one, right? I didn't see the review. Oh, really? That's oh. why I sent it to you. Oh, I gotta yeah. watch that. Yeah. Every store Check in the out. world, the reviews are different. Um, we have some on the American store already, but we are our first one on the Japanese store. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, I'll but, check that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, you could also follow us on our personal Twitters. Uh, I'm at Unitabilist. U-N-I-T-A-B-L-I-S-T. I always feel embarrassed to say my name. Wowza, W-O-W-C-A-J-D-N-I-I-I. That's a, screen names are always embarrassing, aren't they? Well, sometimes. Guess if it, you choose a good one, yeah, then yeah, you don't yeah, have to worry yeah. about I, it. Well, no, I think even a good one, when you got to like spell it out, it takes away the romance. Uh, I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find us on there. Please contact us, you know, if you have any suggestions for the show or... Um, yeah, if you, uh, if you, I don't know, just correct, any, just talk all to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably make a million mistakes each episode. Mm. Um, yeah, so we're going to end with this song. Um, this song is from the Ping Pong animated series. Yeah, it's called uh, Tara Hitori. <laughs> oh, sounds good. By Bukudan Johnny. My favorite. Bukudan Johnny. Bukudan Johnny. Do they do? Yeah, no, my first name is John. Yeah. Bukadan Johnny. That's what I'm going to be calling you from now on. Uh, yeah, this song is great. Um, if you watch the ping pong animated series, you'll know that the uh, the opening is one of those unskippable openings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a tank from Cowboy Bebop. Both shows, I can't skip the beginnings. They're, the opening scenes are so great. They are good. And um, yeah, I hope you like the song as much as we do. And until next time, uh, peace. See you guys. I'm